0: Today on Not Sam Wrestling, wrestling artist Rob Schamberger is on the show to tell his story. We have a lot to go over that happened last night at Survivor Series, and I guess we're saying goodbye to The Undertaker. This is Not Sam Wrestling.
1: This is Not Sam Wrestling.
0: Introducing your host from New York... Here is Sam Roberts. Sam Roberts. Woo! Emotional time to be a fan, especially a longtime fan. But WWE has done such a good job with, uh, and I already know people are cringing. Like people who don't like me will use this podcast because I like anytime I start it with WWE has such done such a good job with. They're like, oh, this is so Sam Roberts. But I mean, look. Truth is truth. WWE has just done such a great job with uh, informing people on the legacy of The Undertaker that I don't even think it requires people that have been around for years and years and years to appreciate what The Undertaker means and, and how important that character is and and unique and one of a kind, of just everything, everything about that character. Um, but, it, of course hits differently for people that have been watching since the beginning. I mean, look, I'm not Here's the thing about me and doing this podcast and having a show and being on kickoff shows and whatnot. I'm literally no different from any of you listening right now. I'm I'm not as a as a fan, I'm no different whatsoever. Talking about wrestling, thinking about wrestling, Watching wrestling is what makes me happy in life. I love my wife. I love my children. I love professional wrestling. And then the rest of life sorts itself out around those things. And everybody and everything in my life understands that that is the relationship that's in my life. Family and wrestling has always been the absolute first primary, number one things in my life. My parents got so pissed. When I was, I remember being in like, probably, I must've been in first grade. We had reading assignments. We had to go home and read something. We had to spend whatever it was, five minutes or 10 minutes a night reading. And I wasn't smart enough at that point as a little kid to be like, well, I mean, they just said we had to do this. There was no way they would know. Like I would go home and actually tell my parents, well, this is what teacher said. And they go, okay, go to your room and read for five or 10 minutes. I'll come check on you in five or 10 minutes. Every single, like they literally had to sit down and tell me, you cannot read wrestling magazines every time. Like you can't read wrestling magazines. It was before I even knew how to read the columns. Like, you know how like when multiple columns of text would be on the same page in a wrestling magazine. And I wouldn't know if I was supposed to read all the way across or up and down. Maybe I wasn't in first grade because it sounds stupid for a first grader. But the point is, that I just be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll read Spotlight magazine. I'll read WWE magazine. By the way, how about Vince McMahon saying WWF on TV tonight? Woo! Or last night. But the point is that that's just the way it's always been for me. I don't remember when I started watching wrestling. I don't remember the first bit of wrestling I ever saw. I didn't go over to like a friend's house or a relative's house and they like wrestling and they introduced it to me. I, I mean, my sister as, liked wrestling. Uh, the way she liked other things, I think. She liked wrestling. She liked she Princess of Power. You know, and 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 she'd have Saturday Night's Main Event on or whatever. This would have been in, you know, the, the 80s. And, and that just seeped into me as an infant, as a baby. I mean, but, you know, around 1990 is when I really sort of took hold of it. And, I, you know, 1990, I would have been like, Six, seven years old. And I think that's when you can really actually start to figure out your identity. And and that before that, you're not old enough to really latch on to hobbies and be like, this is my thing. This is what gets me going. I don't know what it is about this thing, but this is what speaks to me. And throughout, literally from that time, from the time I'm six years old and figure it out that this is what speaks to me. There's never been a point in my life where I haven't allowed that to speak to me. There's never been a point in my life where I've let it go. There's just from 6 to 37, I've obsessively watched, read, thought about, talked about wrestling nonstop. The reason I do this podcast is because of all the days that my mother would be driving us around, me and my brother around as kids, and I'd be sitting there talking to her about what happened on primetime wrestling, what happened on WWE superstars, what happened on wrestling challenge, what happened on all American wrestling, what happened on WCW Saturday night. I'm sitting here giving her the, the intricate details of, of the run that Max Payne and cactus Jack are on and the Hollywood blondes. And, and, and it just, I've just allowed it to continue to translate over the years into something where you're like, look, now you have a family that you actually have to support you have a mortgage you have to pay so you have to figure out that's the if you're just going to do the stuff that feels good and makes you feel fulfilled you have to figure out how to create an income with it and so that's the that's the only thing that's the literally the only thing that makes me any different than any other obsessive geeky nerdy ridiculous fan I started I mean I from the I started dressing up in co- wrestling costumes and ha- for Halloween in 1991. Like that was, you know, I'd said, I want to be a wrestler for Halloween in 1991 and throughout the rest of the time. I mean, until I was too old to dress up for Halloween anymore. I was a wrestler every single year for Halloween. And I th- it must have been 91. Yeah, I was 91 was Hulk Hogan. 92 was The Undertaker. Halloween, October of 92. I mean, Undertaker had been... I was never one of those, like, cool kids that was like, I always like the bad guys more than the good guys. You always meet adults. Adult wrestling fans will always tell you that as kids, they like the bad guys more than the good guys. But you never met any of them as kids. Like, I really think that that's just people who want to make themselves sound cooler as kids. Because you never meet them when you're growing up. But... Uh, the Undertaker had turned uh, good. The Saturday night's main event after Royal Rumble 92. So like say February of 92 is when the undertaker becomes a good guy. And by October, I'm dressed up as him for Halloween, gray leg warmers and everything. Reason I'm thinking about that is because I posted that picture last night as everybody was posting their thank you, taker stuff on Twitter, kind of coming to terms with the fact that this is real, that the undertaker is leaving. And I thought like, when, when did I fall in love with this character? When did this character start to mean so much to me? I mean, Anybody that's a WWE fan, not just a wrestling fan, but specifically a WWE fan, because it's a different thing, man. The Undertaker means the world to you. I've never met somebody that's a WWE fan that doesn't on some level, it doesn't have to be your favorite of all time, but who doesn't on some level go like, yeah, you don't, there's nobody better. You know, like there's just this reverence for that character. I, for me... It, I, and I, I started to think about it as I was watching it, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like... Because after Survivor Series last night, I just sat there, like, looking at social media, seeing if everybody was just kind of processing it the same way I was. And I just left the network on, started watching, you know, the I watched the commercial for the Icons uh, series that's coming out, which a little birdie had told me about. Um, but I'm very excited to see it. They're doing documentaries on Yokozuna, Rob Van Dam, British Bulldog, Beth Phoenix. Uh Yeah, I'm 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 especially excited obviously about Yokozuna. Everybody knows what a Yokozuna fan I am. But um and then I watched, you know, the beginning of the Stone Cold interview with The Undertaker just cuz I'm just sitting there processing it. And I'm really not even paying attention. I'll go back and watch the Stone Cold interview with The Undertaker, you know, when I want to sit down and just absorb it. Um but I was just, like, I was just thinking about like, when did my connection with this character start? And I realized, I, I know exactly when it really kicked in. You know, I kind of remember him and brother love being a tandem, you know, I, I, brother love, I mean, brother love was one of the top heels in WWE at the time. Like brother love was, was, it was a hugely famous personality in WWE. It was very good, but I kind of remember him with Brother Love. Pretty much all my memories are are with him and Paul Bearer. I certainly remember when the Brother Love show went away. I remember the funeral parlor first coming out on WWE Superstars because that was my thing. At the time, I was living in in England. I was living in the UK as a kid. And WWE Superstars, I think, would come on at 9 o'clock. I want to say it would come on at 9 o'clock on one of the Sky Sports channels. I think it was Sky Sports or maybe, I, I i think it was, I don't know. It was on Sky. And I couldn't stay up to watch it. I was too young. My parents wouldn't let me. So every Saturday night, I would put a tape in and I would tape it. And I would wake up at like, I mean, Friday night. And I would wake up Saturday at literally five o'clock in the morning. It'd still be dark outside. I'd wake up before my parents woke up. And I'd run downstairs to watch my tape of WWE superstars. And I would almost never get spoilers. There was one time where I got a spoiler. Which was, my sister came running into my bedroom as I was going to sleep. She's my older sister, and she goes, "Sam, you never guess it. There's a new WWE champion." I don't think she probably said WWF at the time. There's a new WWE champion. I was like, "Who is it?" She's like, "You never guess, but you have one of his posters on your wall right now." And I'm looking around. All right, this like poster that came in one of the comics, the WWE comics that they put out at the time, of Bret Hart versus the Warlord. And I was like, "It's not the Warlord, is it?" She's like, "No." And I was like, "Is it Bret Hart?" She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "What?" But I digress. So I go downstairs every every morning, every Saturday morning, five a.m., and watch WWE Superstars. Um, and so I remember every like that was my Bible. That was my church. That WWE Superstars Superstars was my church. I'm so glad that it's on. It's starting to get you know piled onto the network because it really was everything to me. That show was everything and the funeral parlor was on superstars most weeks and i'll never forget it was it was it was the angle where the ultimate warrior got locked in the casket that made me there was just something about it that i hooked onto the undertaker character that moment and i never let it go you know, like, you, you, I was always interested in it, and I was interested in Paul Bear, and There was just something different, and the macabre of it all. It, it just there wasn't anything else like it. There was something different about it. But it was, you know, the, the Undertaker opening the wooden casket from behind, hitting the hitting the warrior with the urn, knocking him out. You know, the, the warrior who had previously been impervious to most pain. Knocking him out, he loaded him up in that casket. And I didn't even know what a casket was at that point in my life, I don't think filled with the warrior logos and, and they just leave him there and all like the, the crew, the Pat Bucks and Adam Pierce's of their day, the Jack Lanzas and the Renee Goulet's and, and all those people would come out and they would like have to drill holes in the casket and do everything they can to get it open. They finally open it up and warrior is down and they've got to resuscitate him. And he's like ripped up the inside of the casket. He's clawed the thing trying to get out. And I was like, this is insane. And I never forgot the angle. And from that point on, I was locked into everything The Undertaker did. You know, that that never ended up leading to a pay-per-view match with him and the Warrior, which always bugged me because living in England, you didn't get the local feeds of house shows. Like if they did it at the Garden or if they did it at the Boston Garden or, or, or any of those places, you didn't get any of those matches. So I never got to see a Warrior-Undertaker match. I just saw what was on, you know, regular television. Um And, you know, that was mid-91. So eventually that would lead into uh, the match made in hell. At SummerSlam, it was Hogan and Warrior versus Slaughter General Adnan and Kuro Mustafa. But at the same time, they were doing the angle where Jake the Snake Roberts would turn on the Ultimate Warrior as he was trying to teach the Ultimate Warrior about the dark side. And uh, Undertaker and Jake would kind of become this team, which never paid off with the Warrior on television, but it did eventually end up paying off where Jake was in his rivalry with the Macho Man who was returning. And it was Jake trying to hit Miss Elizabeth with a steel chair and the Undertaker stopping him that turned the Undertaker into a good guy. Led to that second WrestleMania match, WrestleMania Eight, Jake the Snake versus the Undertaker. Uh, and then, you know, it goes from there. You go to, that's 92 now. You end up going all the way to Survivor Series 92, the match, or, or SummerSlam 92. How did I forget? SummerSlam 92, which I was talking about on The Bump. SummerSlam 92 was the first show I ever went to, live, in Wembley Stadium. And, you know, watching, watching The Undertaker come down the aisle in that hearse because uh, go back and watch it on the network. Cause at Wembley Stadium, they had this huge long aisle. It wasn't a ramp. It was a flat aisle, but it was just tremendously long. The LOD came out on their motorcycles and the undertaker came out standing uh, on a hearse. I don't remember if he was either standing through the sunroof or I believe he might've been standing on the back bumper or something like that, but he was carried out to the ring in a hearse. And it was really the first time he got an entrance that made it feel like, Oh, this is the phenom. This is something different. This, ladies and gentlemen, is, as Vince McMahon said at Survivor Series last night, and he still got it with that voice The Undertaker. And you're like, whoa. That's when the, you know, the entrances started where you're getting the goosebumps and everything, and it's, this is special. But that was his match with Kamala. After that, the Survivor Series 92 coffin match, the first ever coffin match in WWE. Undertaker versus Kamala. Then you're getting into 93, and 93 is when The Undertaker really, you know, when we start to win, now Hogan's gone. Macho, Warrior's gone for the second time. Macho is no longer a top spot guy. They're going with youth, and The Undertaker is, is getting this sort of spot as a main event level good guy. You know, I mean, unfortunately, he spent some time with the Giant Gonzalez that year, but, you know, he ends up captaining a Survivor Series team with Lex Luger. I don't know if he was the captain, but. He was high ranking anyway, but that's to me. I mean, it, it, so so what I'm trying to say is the funeral parlor for me started the connection with the character, and and it's gone on ever since. It was 30 years to the day. November 22nd, 1990, was the Undertaker's television debut for the WWE. November 22nd, 2020, was the Undertaker's official retirement from the WWE. 30 years, if you're downloading this podcast when it's released, 30 years ago today, people were talking to each other. Did you see Survivor Series last night? What about that guy on DiBiase's team, the Undertaker guy? Man, what was that all about? 30 years later to the day, it's, oh, my God, did you see Survivor Series last night? Can you believe? Did you get choked up? Did you get emotional? It's wild, man. It's wild. I, uh... Yeah, I got I got a little emotional, and you know I I did have to take some time to process it because it was like you, you have so many different kinds of expectations going into it. There, the you know you you connect on such a personal level with a character like that that there are ways that you want it to go for yourself. You know, Hot Dog was texting me while it was on, going like you know why wouldn't they just let him speak as himself? And it's like, dude. We've heard him speak as himself. I talked to him as himself, you know, on the Not Sam Wrestling WWE Network show. We heard him. We saw him on the Stone Cold show. We, we've seen him in People Magazine. Like, we know him as himself. This retirement was about the character. It wasn't about the man. The, I, I, this ceremony was not about, I mean, to an extent, it was about giving the person his respect. But ultimately, it was about the connection between the character of The Undertaker and the WWE and the WWE universe and all the fans and everything. It was that, that, to me, was what it was about. And that's what I'm sitting there and I'm watching this guy. And I'm like, man, this is my entire life. This is my entire life that I'm watching through here. And anybody who's even around my age... That's the emotion that you're experiencing. You're experiencing the same thing. That there's the, the It's this omnipresent character. Death and taxes and the undertaker in WWE. It's just always been. Without question, you know. And the idea that it's gone and people go like, yeah, well, it's gone until the next time we've seen this before. Maybe, hopefully, to tell you the truth, I hope that he can't stay away. But look, he's never retired before. He hasn't. Like, he put his gloves down. The Roman Reigns thing was the closest he's ever come. But the fact is that the Brock Lesnar loss was never supposed to be the Undertaker's last match. It's been now confirmed. If you watch the Brothers of Destruction documentary, they say it. The Undertaker was supposed to beat Brock Lesnar until the day of. The Undertaker, the decision for the Undertaker to lose that match didn't happen until the day of. That wasn't ever supposed to be a retirement match. That was never supposed to be his last match. He was supposed to win. They just changed their mind. And that happens. You know, the Roman Reigns WrestleMania match. Yeah, you know, in his mind, it was theoretically going to be his last match. He put his gloves down and everything, but they never said, tune in. This is his last match. He didn't go on a PR tour like he's been on introducing everybody to the real undertaker. I'll never call him by his real name and, 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 and announcing, Hey, tune in. This is the retirement of the character. It's never happened before. So, you know, I get people's skepticism, but I don't accept it. I don't accept it as a reality. And quite frankly, I'd be fine if he decided to come back. I would love it. I wouldn't feel abused. I wouldn't feel lied to. I wouldn't feel like, oh, you know, this whole thing of like, you know, well, for his own good, he's got to hang it up. I'll trust him with his own good. You know, he do not need my advice. I'm not a doctor. I'll trust him with his own good. If he wants to entertain me another match, I'm going to let him. I'm going to let him because I want to see it. I want to see it. I had to process the retirement because I was sitting there hoping that somebody was going to interrupt up until the last minute literally watching him walk back through the entryway whatever with each step after the survivor series copyright thing came on i was like wow we've seen this before this could be something else as he's walking i go wow well, i mean all the people that were there to celebrate him aren't there anymore so there's nobody there to protect him i mean until the commercial came on that said this is a pre-taped commercial for a series that's coming out next year. I was like, something could happen. Something could happen. Something could happen. And it wasn't because I thought it was necessary. It wasn't because the segment required it. It wasn't because that's how I wanted survivor series to end. It was because I don't want to say goodbye to the undertaker. It's the same thing I said on the bump before survivor series. I don't want to say goodbye to the undertaker. If somebody came to me and said, what would you rather do, Sam have Some random dude come in and interrupt it and just throw together some WrestleMania match or say goodbye to the character. I go, random dude WrestleMania match thrown together, please. One more. Just watching his entrance. I'm like, I don't want this to go away. I never want this to go away. And it never will. It never will, you know. I mean, the legacy will live forever. The network lives forever. The tapes live forever. And even if the network goes away, you think I got rid of any of my WWE DVDs? I got all of them. All of them. I literally sold my entire DVD collection, except I pulled out all of the wrestling DVDs. All of them I still have. Oh, DVDs don't work anymore? Good. Every VHS tape I still have. All of them. I was a tape trader in high school. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of VHS tapes are in my parents' house. Sammy, can we get rid of these tapes? No, of course you cannot. You never know. You never know when I'm going to need to watch The Undertaker versus The Undertaker at SummerSlam 94. You don't know. You don't know. What if the network goes away? What if the internet goes down? What if HDMI ports don't work anymore and I need to connect through the RF inputs? Good thing I got this VCR and all these VHS tapes. I got to watch Undertaker matches. That's what it's all for. Uh, It was interesting that they brought out... It was interesting because there were so many elements, right? So the the farewell of the Undertaker, it goes, um, all of, you know, the people that meant something. I was glad that Vince McMahon came out. I was worried that he wasn't going to be a part of it the way he isn't a part of some stuff, but I was glad that he was there. Um, surprised that he was, got his own thing, like that everybody that was there for the Undertaker split. Like, I don't know that they needed to have Kane. Corporate Kane could have said goodbye to The Undertaker. You know, I mean, I I don't know that Mayor Glenn had to dress up as Kane for this thing, right? He didn't even talk. It would have been badass if he dressed up as 97 Kane. If they had found some 97 Kane gear and had him wear that, that would have been badass. They really should have had Brother Love come out, though, as well. Pritchard should have been out there. I don't know why. I should ask him at some point because Bruce Pritchard absolutely should have been in that ring. Bruce Pritchard not only had a lot to do with the creative of The Undertaker, he was The Undertaker's first manager. You see him on all these documentaries. He's producing all the vignettes. He had a ton to do with The Undertaker and Kane's storyline. I mean, this, if anybody deserves to be out there, I would have thought that Bruce Pritchard would be out there. It was weird that he wasn't. It was odd. I wonder whose choice that was. I would love to know. Um, but seeing, you know, cool to see Big Show, Kevin Nash. By the way, you should have seen the text I sent to Corey Graves. Hey, idiot, it is WrestleMania 12. I hope it wasn't just me that texted him, but I, I texted him after he said, it was either WrestleMania 11 or it was 13, not 12, Cole. And I was like, hey, idiot, yes, it was 12. Undertaker versus Diesel was 100% WrestleMania 12. And then he was like, I, I, I stand corrected, it was 12. But, um, Yeah, Kevin Nash and everything. Uh, I love that the the, uh, BSK was out there. Savio Vega. Always great to see Savio Vega back on WWE TV. I'll tell you this. assume If they were in shape to do it, the Godwins look bad ass. I would put the old Godwins on my wrestling television today. They look scary. A couple of old men, shaved heads. White goatees, tatted up, overalls with no shirt under them. The Godwins looked badass at Survivor Series. I wouldn't mess with them. Big Show, Shane McMahon, Godfather, Sean Hunter. That was my thing. I wanted to see Shawn Michaels superkick the Undertaker in the middle of the retirement speech lead to one more Shawn Michaels Undertaker match. I wanted to see something. I wanted, And it was not... Because I didn't want to see a great retirement ceremony for The Undertaker. If that would have happened, I would have wanted another Undertaker retirement ceremony the Monday after WrestleMania. I just wanted another Undertaker match. Then they played the video package, which was great. Interesting that it wasn't, it was very Undertaker-ish. It wasn't soft and emotional. It wasn't a tearjerker so much. Because it was aggressive. It was Metallica, you know? Then Vince comes out. Does his deal. The Undertaker. And he says WWF. Very memorable speech from Vince McMahon, I think. And then Taker comes out, man. Spectacular entrance. I'm so glad the entrance went well. Because that's I mean, you got one shot at it from the electrocution things to the slow walkout. I thought the the Thunderdome looked incredible with the with the leveled screens behind him in all purple. You know, and it just looked, and the fog was going and everything. I mean, they really used the production value of the Thunderdome for this. They got the thank you, Taker" chance going. I wonder whose voices those actually were. I would love to know. And his speech was quick, man. And I'm sure people wanted more. And I'm sure if The Undertaker wanted to do more, he would have been able to. But he said, I mean, that's, this is the quote that's going to live forever. It's time for me to let The Undertaker rest in peace. And you're like, oh, I mean, that one hit hard, man. That one hit really hard. I'm very emotional just thinking about it now. I mean, just sitting there, I'm like, man, I'm not ready to say goodbye. Isn't that crazy? It's a character, but it, The Undertaker is simply one of the greatest television characters of all time on any show. There's no getting around that. It's not a great wrestling character, it's a great character in storytelling, television, film books anything it's just a great character incredible character that you know meant a lot to a lot of people i you know so yeah man um i was glad though that that character got as much as that character got i i, I was glad that the undertaker ceremony um was as good as it was for 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 who he uh, well, uh, is, I guess, and who the character was. And I have to imagine those guys are going to go out and have a good time this uh, right after Survivor Series. They were going to have a they were going to go out and have a great time. At the time of this recording, right now, they're out there just living it up while we're sitting here crying like a bunch of dorks about some TV character that's retiring. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Can't be ashamed by it. There's no reason to be ashamed by it. If anything, take pride in it, man. I have, I have a, 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 a an acrylic on velvet painting of the undertaker. That should be hanging right here, but I'll talk about that with our guest, uh, Rob Schamberger in a few minutes beyond the undertaker's retirement. Um, which was, you know, to me, kind of the big story of survivor series. Um, I think there was good and bad uh, for short Survivor Series. Um, I thought uh, Sasha versus Asuka and Roman Reigns versus Drew stole the show for sure. Although the Street Profits New Day match was really good and it was a great victory for the Street Profits. I just think that right now, and this is all due respect to Asuka as well, right now Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, and Sasha Banks are just performing on a different level. Like There are true levels to this. And these people are really hitting their 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 stride. Interesting that no Randy Orton on the pay-per-view, no Fiend on the pay-per-view, none of that. Very interesting. But, yeah, man, I, I just think seeing Drew and Roman in that match was wild to me. Just, we're looking at something different when we look at these two. And this has to be repeated for WrestleMania. Roman versus Drew would be better for Roman and Drew and better for the WWE and better for fans as the main event to WrestleMania than Roman Reigns versus The Rock. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre can be an era-defining rivalry. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre is the rivalry that lets the world know that the WWE of today is about the WWE of today and the and 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 the athletes and the performers that the WWE has to offer today. I mean, look up and down this card. Like I said, Sasha Banks performing on another level. Bayley performing on another level. You bring back Becky Lynch? Oh my god. Another level. Okay? The Street Profits are coming up. Bianca Belair is going potentially, and this is ironic coming from me, I get it. I had to tweet it out, because I got to tell you right now, Bianca Belair could be one of the biggest women stars of all time if she keeps going the way she's going. I mean, she's just insanely athletic. She's so fluid. She is... Better in the ring than most of the people that she was in the ring with at Survivor Series, and she's been wrestling a lot less than they have. And that's all due respect to all of them too. It's just saying how good Bianca Belair is, and oh by the way, she can entertain as well. What? Yes. Um. You know, you 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 just go up and down. You look at the Raw, the the men's Raw team, which was AJ Styles, Keith Lee. Riddle, not Matt Riddle, Riddle, Sheamus, and Braun Strowman. Right? You've got a guy like AJ Styles, who is maybe still to this day the best wrestler in the world, who has wrestled in every conceivable promotion you can think of over the last 20 years. And it's just blown minds everywhere that he's gone. You got Braun Strowman, who is everything you want out of a WWE attraction, a giant who fits into the more fast-paced athletic style of 2020. You have Sheamus, who has, has come into being this WWE superstar that is the absolute pinnacle of professional when it comes to putting on a WWE match. And then you have Matt Riddle and you have Keith Lee, who are the future of wrestling. Who, 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 who? These were the names that everybody was talking about before they got to WWE. You got all five of these guys on one team: Sheamus, Braun, AJ, Riddle, Keith Lee. Maybe the most talented Survivor Series tag team of all time. And I'm glad that I was right in my prediction. I wanted RAW to get a clean sweep. To be all five soul survivors.
1: <laughs>
0: and they made it. They did it. I thought it was great. I thought the right decision was made. Keith Lee came out with new music. I thought that was great. I would have liked on the Bianca note. I would have liked to have seen more Bianca. I would have liked a lot more of a spotlight to be put on Bianca. I get that you wanted to make it about Lana and have her be the sole survivor. And I'm fine with that. If you want Bianca to be counted out, I'm fine with that. They count, Again, she didn't get pinned, so I wasn't mad at the way she lost. I just wish that she had gotten a chance to get a little bit more offense in, to show off a little bit more of her athleticism. So it's like, on the SmackDown side, you leave talking about Bianca Belair. And on the Raw side, you leave talking about the ongoing story between Lana, Nia Jax, and Shayna Baszler. By the way, the Lana Chronicle is great. Uh, I would definitely check that out. The Lana Chronicle is great because it's just such a good example of how in 2020 and, you know, the way the curtain has been pulled back and the way we all communicate, um, there's so much that you can do with sort of real life, mixing real life in with characters um, that can really push along a storyline. If you watch that Lana Chronicle, then it, it can really push the story that's being told on Monday Night Raw and uh, at Survivor Series. Uh, interesting with Seth Rollins. You know, the rumor is that Seth Rollins is going away soon. Uh, he's going to, you know, go on paternity leave. Um, so, obviously, this is, you know, there's a story being told with him being uh, written off, I would assume, I'm guessing, but it's just very interesting because Survivor Series is always, uh, is always the spot when things change for Seth, you know? The Raw being dismantled last year at Survivor Series when it was SmackDown versus NXT versus Raw, um, that was uh, what turned Seth Rollins' heel. So interesting that coming off of Survivor Series again this year, there's discussion to be had with Seth Rollins and what he uh, means to his brand. You know, Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley I thought it was entertaining. I think Sami Zayn is just amazing, but, it, you know, I think it was exactly what you thought it would be. Um, and, yeah. You know, a lot of people were talking about this was another one. I guess uh, Raw came out on top. But it's weird. Like, people, for, every time Survivor Series comes around, people go, well, nobody cares about brand loyalty, so they shouldn't do this. And it's like, they go, they're go. they not even keeping score of the brands. And they're like, yeah, because nobody cares about brand loyalty. They're not doing this. This wasn't about brand loyalty. Every other year, Survivor Series has been the one night of the year when Raw and SmackDown go head-to-head in direct competition. I guess except for last year, the one night of the year when we're on SmackDown and NXT. Like last year, it was clear. It was Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, which is the best brand. Every year before that, the one night of the year when Raw are SmackDown go head-to-head in direct competition. This year, it was just the best of the best. This year, it was simply who's better, Roman Reigns or Drew McIntyre. And that works for that match. Like that's, Of course, that's the story you're telling in that match. Who's better, The New Day or The Street Profits? Perfect story for that match. Who's better, Sasha Banks or Asuka? Perfect story for that match. I think that it starts to get confusing with the Survivor Series matches because they didn't really... The Survivor Series matches didn't mean anything. Um, I think that the women's match ended up just being a vehicle for... You didn't have to have the women's elimination match this year to tell you the truth. I mean, it got them on TV. It was a vehicle for the Lana storyline, but you could have just done something with Lana and Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. If you'd, you know, just done a tag match or something like that, like you didn't... That wasn't necessary to tell you. I don't know what coming off a Survivor Series we get from that match. Um, And the, the... and you didn't really need to do the U.S. Championship versus Intercontinental Championship match. I, you know That was just there because. So that's, I think, people see those matches and they go, well, this is dumb. Why are we doing this? And it's like, well, I get it. But these other, number one, it, it's not brand warfare because that's not how it's being sold anymore. And number two, in all these big matches, it's not about brands. It's just about who's better. Really, at the end of the day, it's what you have: two world champions. Who's better? You have two women's champions. Who's better? You have two tag team champions. Who's better? That's it. The, I mean, and that's that makes complete sense. If you're the champion, if you're the number one, and somebody else also claims they're the number one, you're gonna want to know who's better. So that makes sense. the The men's elimination match, while to the same for the same reason, it doesn't really make sense that we need to have it. I think that that was more effective in the sense that. um you told you you've got a story going with Seth Rollins now. You told a story that was necessary to be told with Jay Uso that got us to the vibe that Jay was going through in the main event. And I think you've got a story going on with this Raw team. Like this Raw team to me showed how great that talent is on Raw. It was good for all five guys. I think you're going to be able to expand on the story about AJ saying he was the captain and blah blah blah. So I, I have no problem with the men's match. The men's Survivor Series match, I'm good with. All the world title matches, women's tag, Universal, and WWE, I'm good with. They make perfect sense. It's the Intercontinental versus North United States and women's elimination matches that, to me, those are the only ones left where you go like, well, there's no stakes in this one. Everything else had stakes, clearly had stakes. And those stories were told. Like, if we get out of our own heads about being like, well, I complained about this last year, so I'm going to complain about this this year, and realize that all the major matches, except for the two that I announced, that I just said, every other match had a reason for being, and had stakes, you know, has something that we can talk about leaving this match, then yeah, you know. Look, I want to get into our interview this week. We have a guest on the podcast. I can't spend this whole time talking about Survivor Series and how amazing The Undertaker is. Uh, so instead, let's talk about how amazing Rob Schamberger is. You know, I love uh, artists and I love creators uh, that use wrestling as their muse. You know, because I get that. I get how wrestling inspires. And Rob Schamberger is one of those people. Rob Schamberger, uh, he does some amazing paintings of WWE superstars. Rob Schamberger is also uh, one of the first people. I believe the first person. Uh, that I saw who just as an individual and the stuff they were creating was able to strike up a partnership with the WWE where Rob was, ba- where well, Rob was already doing his wrestling art and WWE was like, that's great. We well, do it for us. And boom, now we're off to the races. They didn't buy Rob. He's not a WWE employee. He doesn't, but they're partners now and he's doing what he was doing before, but he's doing it alongside WWE now. And it's, it's become better, but he's got a new store. Uh, called Schamburger Labs, I believe it is. We we plugged it in the interview, .com, um, where you can now, there's one website where you can go to get all of the prints he's ever done. He's been doing prints for like uh, six or seven years now. You can get all of the prints he's ever done and he's selling originals too. And yeah, I'm a sucker for originals, so I'm probably gonna be perusing this website trying to grab some originals. So if you see any on the website that you think I like, you better grab them quick because the originals are one of one and I get them. I will get them. But uh, I've known Rob for a long time. I've been wanting to have him on the podcast, and I figured that the launch of this website was as good a reason as any. So here he is, our guest on the podcast this week, the great wrestling painter, Rob Schamberger. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. So here on Not Sam Wrestling, uh, I'm happy to have Rob Schamburger with me because I've and I've I mean, I've talked about this uh, and I know, Rob, that you've heard it. But I've I've been talking about this for a long time that, that I feel like now because WWE as a company is in such this space of this cooperative space in the sense that they'll partner uh, with businesses now. And I mean, businesses of all sorts. I mean, like even with me, for example, the fact that they'll take somebody like me. From the outside and kind of bring them in and go like, no, just do what you do on the outside, but do it here and then go back to doing it on the outside. Like people take that for granted now, but don't really realize that a few years ago, that was just not the way WWE operated. And I've always felt like, you know, as as, as a fan and as somebody that has watched WWE like super closely forever, I guess I've always felt like the first time that I noticed that happen and I was like, whoa, that's that's a different kind of deal is when your art started popping up on WWE shop. And when you started popping up at access and it was like this thing where I had been aware of you as a wrestling fan, because you were doing this, you know, WWE and wrestling related art independently. And then when WWE kind of put their stamp on you, I was like, I was like, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's different. Do you think Rob that, that I'm right about, about, that path for you? I
1: think so. Like I, you know, there's some sort of relationships that they've had that were more, bigger and more official, like Mattel or sure. 2K or tops. Right. Sure. Uh, but, but as far as the way that I do business, the way you do business, uh, I've definitely been the canary in the coal mine on, in a lot of different avenues with them. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I, I haven't died yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, cause of course they're always, they've always had partnerships with other corporations and licensing deals and stuff like that but just the fact that you're just a dude right yeah like you're just a guy who happens to be good at this and then people are like oh he's good at this and then wwe was like yeah man you're good at this you want to uh you want to you wanna come over to access and sell some paintings there and you're like yeah i'll, I'll do that how did that how did that happen
1: Um uh, uh, well I, I started doing the wrestling art on my own first uh did like a kickstarter raised enough that i could quit my day job and uh started doing that and that got me on their radar and i i knew that i needed to uh, even with how everything is omnipresent online yeah um i still needed to get the work in front of people so i was doing a lot of shows i was uh going to different events that were wrestling related like uh the national wrestling hall of fame in waterloo iowa or the cauliflower alley club in vegas Uh, I I would exhibit there, show off the work, and that got me on their radar. I started meeting people uh, like Ben Brown and Jim Ross and Jerry Briscoe. And SmackDown was coming to Kansas City, where I live, and I reached out to JR to see if uh, he could put me in touch with the company just to spread the word about a -A Make-A-Wish gallery show fundraiser I was doing on the same day as SmackDown. And he did. He made the call. Uh, luckily, he got a hold of Ben Brown, uh, who works. You know, he's pretty much Triple H's right hand. Mm-hmm. And that was around the time that Triple H started being involved and in charge of a lot more with the company. And I think that, if anything, I owe it all to to Paul. But um, JR uh, called in and said, like, hey, we should help him out with this, but we should really start working with this kid and uh yeah then i got like the best phone call of my life (laughs) when uh they were like hey you know yeah we're gonna help you with this but here's you know we had a department head meeting about this and here's the multi-year plan that we want to do with your art and and we were going from there
0: (laughs) yeah i mean how crazy is that right that you're just a wrestling fan that happens to be super good at painting and it inspires you and you start painting and then you find out that not only is there this opportunity to work with WWE, but I feel like it's those little things. Like the idea that as a fan, you realize that there is a department head meeting yeah. and you are the topic of said meeting. Like that's the mind that feels like it would be the mind blowing thing.
1: It's nuts. Um, yeah. Like I, I always looked at myself, you know, first and foremost, as a professional artist, even though up to that point, I'd had to have day jobs to to take care of things. But uh with that and i think it was because right around then was uh when Mad Men was finishing up mm-hmm. um so i was looking at marketing a lot on there and uh <laughs> you know a big thing the in the marketing world is uh you want to be the first the best or completely different uh it's like what paul Heyman always said about ecw as well and i i was like no one's doing fine art of pro wrestling i can stand out this way and I was thinking it would take longer than, like, less than a year for WWE to bring me in. Uh-huh. And I was uh, definitely expecting, like, my first contact from them to be, like, a cease and desist letter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely didn't expect, like, a department head meeting and, and them saying, like, we want to go all in on Rob Schamberger.
0: Yeah, that's it's going to go one of two ways, though, right? It's either this yeah. is going to be great or it's going to, it's like, this is going to be a dream come true or it's going to crush everything. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and I took like, a huge gamble and, <laughs> and it paid
1: off. So I don't need to gamble ever again in my life. Like, <laughs> right, right. Nailed it. And are you? Yeah, s- whatever the top jackpot is, that's what I hit.
0: <laughs> so, what was it about wrestling? Like, I know that when I was, I have no artistic ability whatsoever. But when I was in high school, I was in an art class and they were like, you can do an art project about anything where you're going to do one. Uh, acrylic painting, you're going to do one uh, multi-material collage, you're going to, like, you know, it was a whole bunch of different stuff. And they were like, uh-huh. but it's all got to be themed around the same thing, but it could be around everything. I was like, oh my god, obviously wrestling. And, like, for <laughs> for me, it was all, like, Mick Foley deathmatch wrestling. And, like, the rest of my class was like, what are you doing? Like, I would say the... Lots the, of red. I've got a lot of red. <laughs> I would say the oddest high school experience I ever had was trying to sneak real barbed wire into school so i could bring it to my art class so i could glue it onto a collage that i was <laughs> that i was making but there is there is something like when you love wrestling and you have that thing in you that i think everybody feels inspiration and it comes out differently right? right there is something that when wrestling is really like your passion it will inspire whatever that natural inspiration kicks into right
1: yeah absolutely um and and like my background like i grew up on comic books superhero comics and that that was the career i was chasing for a long time and uh wrestling like the the way that you portray a story with these types of people is, is real similar between superhero comics and wrestling of course especially now with you know like Seth Rollins or Ricochet or guys like that and you know the Lucha Libre influence of course Mm -hmm. um so it it was a natural fit to the way that I had been working for a long time and uh still you know there's characters like Undertaker or now Bray Wyatt where I can really push things visually uh differently than I would with like a uh John Cena and I say that it's the difference between Superman and Batman right like with superman you draw superman with batman you can do whatever uh john cena i'm gonna paint john cena but like uh bray wyatt i'm gonna do whatever
0: um right and so yeah it's a natural fit right although i have seen stuff lately it seems like the more and this probably you must feel more able to take creative risks the longer you do this because i have seen like you know you did like the Pop art, Kofi Kingston piece, and you. Do, I've seen like a lot of guys now. I feel like you start drifting outside the box and figuring out ways to show off elements of their character through, you know, art that wouldn't necessarily that isn't necessarily on the nose. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's
1: more confidence, uh, both myself as an artist. Uh, that now I've been, you know, doing this full time for seven years and working professionally since I was 17. But, uh, there's more confidence there. But also, I think I've informed my audience a little bit more that I can push things a little bit further. Yes. Uh, definitely. And, uh, with different types of genres of pro wrestling out there now, like especially post uh, Lucha Underground. Mm -hmm. Uh, the fans are more open to pushing things or, you know, Firefly Funhouse, those kinds of things. Like there's different ways of doing pro wrestling now. So I can push, uh, the, the art a little bit further in different directions too.
0: So do you get excited when you see stuff like that? Like for instance, I felt like the storytelling that happened in the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania this year was like, I mean, it was revolutionary. Like, the the, the levels that, that you were going into and the fact that you could go scene by scene and look at the visuals and kind of spend all this time breaking down exactly what this story they were telling is and realize that it was something that, that went through the scope of years and years and, and this and what could have happened and the insecurities. When you see stuff like that, when you see in on WWE TV, they're starting to drift outside of the box, do you think to yourself, like, this is great. I mean, if they're getting that creative imagine how creative I can get. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, like the Boneyard match. Yeah. Uh, I, I was contacting the people at WWE shop immediately. Like, so I'm doing this with you guys, right? Like, <laughs> before, cause they, they work with a few other artists now. And I'm like, I'm calling this. this one is mine. I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. What was the, what, what was one of the early aesthetics in wrestling? that you saw that made you go like, Oh, this is, you know, I mean, we all have those moments as kids where we're drawing stuff on the back of our notebooks or whatever. Like there are those little things that like, you just, you just draw it. It makes you want to draw more. When you started as a more serious painter and you were like, this is the thing that I want to paint. What was one of the early aesthetics? Oh Boy. Um, great question. You're good at this. Um, <laughs> this is my watercolors.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I would say it was actually like the, the sixties era of pro wrestling. Wow. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Like the, the, the Luthez NWA era, uh, it was the photography that really spoke to me. And I, I think it's because I'm such a fan of noir and silent movies and, um, you know, like, huge fascination for Greta Garbo and how that translates to Lou Fez I don't know but it did uh I I think it was just that style of of imagery uh really spoke to me and um also like when you're looking at work in black and white as a painter you're like okay I can use these kinds of colors I can push it in this other way uh and then looking at oh it's because of the lighting So, um, you know, for my reference that I use for my work now, like with WWE, most of the time I'll, uh, you know, take the, either the photography or the video still or, or whatever, and, and switch them to black and white so that I can then, you know, push things in different directions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess too, when you think about it, like for people that are about our age, the photos of of wrestling in the 60s would be what told the stories like when you'd get old wrestling magazines or when a wrestling magazine would have old pictures in it or whatever you would kind of be getting the story just from that still image and and when you look at like 60s wrestling photography you could you can absolutely draw parallels to like old DC comic slides right like you know the, the way the oh, the, the totally one funny. single frame and the way the body's moving, and the facial, and everything, and the way the light hits it—like you—you you don't read the article. You're just like, there it is. I know who the guy is. I know who the good guy is. I know who the bad guy is. I know what was happening here. I know who's in danger. Yeah, I, I, there, there's there's a there's a definite parallel there.
1: Yeah, it, it really spoke to me, and and I guess like even in Naked City, like the spoiler, the killer was a pro wrestler. Right. Um, you know, there's
0: there's a lot of uh, crossover
1: there at that time for sure.
0: And I would imagine too that when you're dealing with like Ben Brown and when you're dealing with Triple H, right? Like Triple H, if anything, he is he's a student of the game. Like he loves wrestling and his yeah. wrestling history and and preserving wrestling history. So like your first big painting was Harley Race, right? That was the yep. how you started. So I would imagine that that the fact that you're not starting with like I don't I don't even want to mention any names because I don't want to insult anybody, but like <laughs> the fact that you're starting with Harley Race. I feel like that right away lets the world know this is the kind of fan that that Rob is. You know what I mean? It's a couple levels deeper than just, well, you know, I started watching a couple years ago and here's my painting.
1: Right. I, I wanted to come in serious. Yeah. Uh, especially like knowing the, the type of customer that would be into this stuff. And I didn't want to do wacky, make fun of pro wrestling, pop art stuff. I wanted to do serious paintings i want to present myself as a serious artist uh that happens to do pro wrestling as my chosen subject matter and uh to speak to the audience i wanted to come in with uh yeah some of the deeper cuts so like yeah some of the the first ones were harley race or frank gotch even uh i wanted to show that yeah i'm real
0: deep into this definitely are you the type that like when you, when you develop this this relationship, it also means when you're sitting there painting at Access, for example, mm-hmm. you know that the people you're painting are gonna see your painting. Now, I mean, you're established yep. enough to the point. I mean, now you're putting it on t-shirts, you're 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 selling prints on WWE shop. When you do a painting of Oscar, Asuka, Oscar's gonna see it. When you do a painting of Seth Rollins, like you just mentioned, Seth Rollins is gonna see it. Does that excite you because you're proud of the work, or are you the type that goes like, "Oh no, I really hope he likes it. I really hope he likes it."
1: Um, yeah, there there is a thing like under the, the surface, um, just probably <laughs> related to my childhood and why I've done therapy, but um, <laughs> we're uh, um, hoping that like, oh, this person likes it to yeah. get that kind of validation to, to prove myself. But at this point, definitely this far into the game, uh, it, it's really like, here's the latest, uh, uh, thing that we can work on together. Right. And, uh, I, I think the talent really appreciate that too. Like they, they recognize that, yeah, I'm a fan of this stuff, but, uh, also professional first and foremost.
0: Well, also like, I mean, I feel like if I was doing something and there were people that wanted to make real art out of it, I'd uh-huh. be like, yeah, that's it. there's nothing about that, that I don't like, like that real, yeah. it adds to what I'm doing, it adds that level of like, yeah, look at the way this is inspiring people. Um,
1: I had that actually happen uh, fairly early on. I was at a house show and it was when uh, Neville, Pac and uh, Sami Zayn were on the house show loop before coming up to the main roster. And so they didn't know me on site. Mm-hmm. and i had uh done a i, I had heard they were coming so i had a painting of each of them to to get signed for wwe oxygen and they come into the room and they're talking about like oh wow it's a big deal we finally got a shamburger painting
0: not knowing i'm standing right there while they're talking about it <laughs> yeah, that has to be wild for you that you're a, you become a, a rite of
1: passage Right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you, you get your first title and you get a hamburger painting. <laughs> I've actually had a few people that have had really big accomplishments in the company. I won't stooge them out, sure. but, uh, that have said like this thing that you do is the real thing. Uh, and, and they really appreciate
0: it that way. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, who was like, uh, who are some of the early ones that when you first started doing stuff, that came and like were really impressed with the paintings that you were doing of them. Um, the
1: the very first one, uh, hilariously, was David Arquette. <laughs> 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 Didn't see that coming. Like one of the great yeah, world champions I, I, of all time. I, <laughs> I did an early one of Harley Race and then shortly after David Arquette <laughs> to not be too serious. Um, <laughs> but uh, as far as the people that are in this, you know, in the grind, uh, one of the very first ones was Adam Pearce when uh, he was uh, NWA world champion. And, you know, having a reigning world champion and the work that Adam was doing at that point was really elevating the title. Uh, got me a lot of... Indie cred sure, um, uh, yeah, uh, that you know, he was putting me over in a big way, and uh, then coming into the company before I even started having conversations with the company, um, it was uh, Brian Myers, Kurt Hawkins, and Hornswoggle and Kofi, uh, that were huge supporters of what I was doing, and we became friendly, you know, even before I started working with the company, and uh, I've maintained that still,
0: yeah, yeah, I think. I think those are the two Shamberger shirts that I have. I think I have a Hawkins shirt <laughs> and I, I I definitely have the Oscar shirt, but I think I also have the orange Hawkins shirt.
1: I don't remember that might... was his first solo shirt with the company. Uh so yeah. it was real cool to be able to do that for him. Yeah.
0: That's all awesome. yeah, that's the other thing too, that it's like um, that 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 happened a couple times, I think. That before yeah. there was like a, a logo necessarily or some kind of obvious thing that you would put on a shirt, you were there to just paint it and put it on a shirt and it was like yeah now i've got now i've got this element right how did you end up so i know this is a big deal to you because i saw you posting about it on social media and also because i think about what a big deal it would have been to me but so mattel puts out uh the latest legend series and it's uh uh-huh. it's warrior and he's uh, it's from the night after the hall of fame he's got the removable mask just like he put on uh to end the speech but he's got a, a fabric duster that you can put the figures wearing the suit, and just like the warrior put the duster over the suit, Mattel made a a soft goods duster that this warrior figure can put on over his suit. What makes it special for you is that you painted warrior's duster that he wore that night, and thus Mm -hmm. a shrunken version of that is now on this Mattel figure. So this thing that was already immortalized because that warrior speech i i would say it's probably that that last night is the most important warrior speech that he will he would ever make in w w e right i mean that yeah. was everything that was the end cap on on the warrior's career and character and i don't think you know you go back and and watch it and i don't think anybody himself included realized how poignant that would be it's almost eerie to watch um but how did you how did you end up getting that gig how did how how did who came to you and, and how did it happen that they said, yeah, man, warrior needs a duster. You're pretty good at painting uh wrestlers. You want to want to paint the warrior shaking some ropes on a jacket. It was, uh, I want to say
1: it was, uh, Hawkins again on that. Really? Um, that was, uh, I had just done a, a warrior painting and he shared it on social uh-huh. and warriors agent saw it and, uh, reached out to me just to say like, hey, I've got a potential opportunity. Can I get your number so that Warrior can call you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure, I guess. You know, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, had uh, the the most fun and bewildering hour-long conversation of my life uh, with Warrior uh, it was everything that you would want it to be. Um, uh, he, you know, he was a a painter himself, so a lot of it was just talking technique and stuff, just nerding out about art, yeah. And uh, then uh, you know, he's like, okay, so I'm coming back to WWE, and uh, every appearance I'm going to have a different duster on, and I want you to be my guy that hand paints him, (laughs) and yeah, (laughs) so I actually did two. And the one that we saw was, was the first one, which, um, you know, like it, it's the the thing that any kind of creator has. Like, I'm always like, oh, I wish they'd gone with the other one, but uh, <laughs> this one was fantastic. And it was warrior's favorite, um, because the, uh, the painting that's on the back was the one that he had, uh, had seen and said like, oh, I want you to redo that again on, on this coat and uh so it was mania 30 which was also my debut with public debut with the company we had done some work before but that was my first time there at access working and uh so it was just like this whole crazy experience like didn't have a lot of lead time on that like i finished painting it the night before i (laughs) drove down to new
0: orleans (laughs) and by Um, the way you have to like do all the work that you have to do leading up to access as well
1: it's not like and this too yeah um and and i learned uh from that time that like that's gonna be how it is every year with (laughs) wwe like there's gonna be this massive opportunity that comes up at the absolute last minute and need to be ready for it um but then we got to watch mania 30 from warriors box uh (sighs) which was just something uh you know being able to be there for when brock beat taker and getting that tangible feeling of when the whole crowd literally sucked the oxygen out of the place, all gasping at the same moment, like and and watching it from there uh, was, was just something. And then we were actually driving home during raw Uh, it was just, I was early on in the company and and didn't have a lot of money. So I couldn't really stay another night uh, and justify it business wise. So Mm -hmm. we were driving back and I knew that he was going to be coming out with the coat. So my wife was driving at the, that point and I was, you know, watching social and all that. And then it, it came up and, and we're both like doing the ugly cry while <laughs> while we're, you know, hurdling up I thirty five. And uh it was it was just pure magic. And then the next uh uh night we're actually sitting down to finally watch Raw and right before the segment, uh I get uh my phone starts blowing up with people from WWE letting me know what What had happened and uh yeah uh, so then all these years later being able to have this figure that memorializes that whole thing uh having uh had uh like pretty much a whole year where the mattel elite line had my name on the front of all of them Mm -hmm. uh, and knowing that so much of this came from that moment And now having this figure here in my hands, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, talk about- It's amazing. It's amazing.
0: Talk about bookend. And also, you know, I mean, it's amazing to have that because sometimes you have these experiences like that where like you just want the moment to last forever and it never does. Like you have to kind of come off this high that you're on. Like I'm sure that that whole weekend, like not only you're now, you've got this business relationship with warrior that when I say business relationship, it's a personal relationship. You're in his box, yeah. you're on the phone with them and, and you're, and you're painting his coat and like it's all happening. And then you have to come back down to reality and kind of figure out like what reality is even going to look like now. So the, the fact that you've got this figure now that kind of memorializes that weekend really for you mm-hmm. is uh it, it's, it's amazing because it just kind of now extends forever. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Run forever. Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's r- just uh, whatever real magic is, that that's what happened here for sure. Yeah.
0: What was the, uh, I mean, what's the coolest or most unexpected crossover that your artwork has come to? Because when you think it's like, not only was it on, you know, the warrior's coat, it's now on the warrior figures coat, but like you said, Mattel did a year where every elite series had your art they every single figure came packaged with a piece of your art and when mm-hmm. you got the whole set you could put the set together and it would have a giant stand with with a painting that you did behind them with all the figures with all the wrestlers that are in that set uh there's that I mean when you open up a tops trading card pack now and I mean it's the expensive yeah. ones too it's not the it's not the ones you could find at like target it's the you know, $28 a pack, ridiculously expensive, uh, (laughs) tops cards. Inflation's crazy, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And you've got like, and it's, it's it's the whole card is your painting. Like what, what, what is there any one particular partnership that has been more mind blowing than anything else? Or is everything just been like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. This is insane. Uh, the
1: latter, uh, it's, uh, especially when there's a confluence of all of it at the same time. Um, the, that year with all the Mattel stuff, um, yeah, like on the packaging, it had my name on the front. Uh, and and that year it was the number one selling action figure line in the world. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how to wrap my head around that. Right. And at the same time, um, was doing quite a bit with tops uh more on the digital side but still working with them a lot and then the the folks at 2k uh had built a great relationship with them and they were doing a lot with me as well like uh i went and painted a mural in new york for them uh yeah i think that was actually the night we met was that party yeah yeah. Yes. Uh, yep. And, I remember. Uh, so, like, I, that was my wife's birthday, so I got to get her front row at a little private Snoop Dogg concert, <laughs> um, which was great. Um, yeah. And the, uh, uh, then I started doing uh, uh, work with them for SuperCard, and they used uh, my art uh, as like a featured product uh, on the uh, iTunes Store and on the Google Play Store like if you went to games my image was the top on there so like between all of that that year um i was the most visible artist on earth <laughs> by the numbers That's like insane. just supercard alone there were uh, the population of uh the netherlands uh, is the same as their user base <laughs> um and, and then the toys just all of it all at once and again like yeah, I've got Canvas to Canvas, the show with WWE. Yeah. But I, I've had, you know, tens of millions of views on that. Um, I know I'm bragging here, but like, that was a crazy year. Uh, and uh, when, when I was in high school art class, they didn't tell me how to prepare for any of that. Ah, but they wouldn't have known, right? Like, I don't no. think any high school art teacher
0: is going like, well, here's what it's like to be the most viewed artist in the world. Yeah. So are you I just would
1: told them what I was doing? They'd be like,
0: oh, wrestling? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that year, are you just painting wrestling nonstop every day?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. my life anyway. Uh, yeah. But um it, actually then I was having to travel a lot more uh to promote all these different things. Yeah. Um it, it's almost uh I guess we're always looking for like silver linings these uh past six, seven months have been kind of nice that i've just been painting <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> uh, you know i'm not like because i was doing a lot of convention appearances as well and and now it's just me in the studio uh just painting do
0: you what do you do when you get to a place mentally where you're like i can't paint wrestlers right now i just i can't i can't do it i don't i don't because you know i mean it's one of, I, as much as you're a professional so you just have to get it done there have to be moments where you're like this would be a lot better if I wanted to do this more and I just, I got to take a break.
1: I, I think because I got into this because I wanted
0: to, yes.
1: You know, I, I was a self starter on this and also wrestling has such a deep lineage and there's so much new happening all the time Mm -hmm. that it's just as fresh and exciting for me as it is for the people that are watching it. I hope that comes through in the art. Yeah. There could be, I don't know, like if, Some horrible thing business-wise soured me on it. Um, But as far as the existence I have right now, I don't foresee myself getting tired of it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That would be funny if, like, some business thing soured you on it. So to get over it, you were just painting wrestlers, but nobody could see it. Like, I'm not showing this to anyone. This is just for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Do you, like... When somebody debuts, right? Like, let's say, uh, uh, what's it called? The group, I'm I'm blanking on the name. The group with Retribution. Retribution (laughs) debuts. And like, say what you want about Retribution. Clearly, they have an aesthetic, right? Clearly, they look different. Yeah. So is there, and maybe it's not Retribution specifically, but do you have moments where you'll be watching Raw and something new or somebody will have a new look or just something gets you? Where you're just like, I, I gotta go paint this person. I can't wait to, to get this on canvas
1: yeah definitely um if someone has a really powerful debut like when the wyatt family first came yes. up i was like yes i'm doing this yeah or uh when the shield debuted obviously is like okay you know like uh i had dollar signs in my eyes like Moolah's glasses or something yeah and uh, uh, <laughs> uh I, I figured you'd get that reference <laughs> yeah and um <laughs> uh yeah there are things like that especially or um io shirai when she first showed up mm-hmm. uh, especially when when she had the heel turn i was like yes yeah like i am all in on this um there's definitely those moments and and that's why i try to watch the show as a fan yeah uh to see what kind of genuine emotions i'm getting out of myself that i can then translate into the work and also uh especially when there were crowds you know paying attention and you know looking close at social now like what are the things people are paying attention to
0: yeah yeah and and yeah because i i get that because you the the art has to come from a fan perspective like it can't feel corporatized it can't feel yeah. like we're trying to sell you on this image it has to on some level if i'm going to buy this piece of art it has to reflect how i feel about the subject whether i'm a like like i don't know if i could visualize it but when i see it i have the same yeah. feeling as i did when i first saw it on television exactly uh with with all my work and and
1: i say this a lot that it's more important to me that it doesn't just look like the person but Mm. it feels like what it is to see him. yes uh and and i i get that from my collectors a lot like the when they hang this up on their wall they get the same kind of feeling looking at it that they do when they're watching the show uh you know gives them that kind of experience all the time
0: totally totally um so you've launched uh your 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 website for the first time right that people can the people can go to it and and get all the prints and everything that they want yeah it's Uh dot com uh-huh. uh, great name for audio
1: uh- <laughs> 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 but um for the first time it's all the artwork um that I've done for w w e over the past seven ish years everything Uh, everything, the, uh, any, anything featuring someone that has a current working relationship with the company. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, So it's over 360 prints. Wow. Over 200 original paintings, all available, uh, for the first time. Like there have been obviously releases here and there, uh, of a more limited nature. And, and there are certain things that have been on WW shop. But for the first time, there, there's this one site. It's all fully licensed from the company, of course. So, like, you're not just supporting me. You're supporting all your favorite superstars as well. And um, I'm in charge of all of it. Uh, right. The you know, I've built that trust with the company on a business level that I uh, now get to run this, curate this my way. Uh, market it all myself. I'm in charge of everything, which... Yeah, there's no floor on that, but there's also no ceiling and I'm um, just really excited. I've been building towards this since I had the idea to do wrestling art.
0: And people can get the originals too? Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Like that's for for people who collect on that level. Like prints are obviously a godsend because you can actually when you can't put the scratch together, you can actually still get this amazing art and hang it up and you can you can be a collector. It's a lot more right. difficult to be a collector of originals, but you know, when there is something super special, when you can get your hands on an original, there's there's nothing like it.
1: Yeah, only one person gets to have the original. I don't paint the same thing twice. Yeah, I would um, hope not. Yeah, that, that would be, be a boring, little, right? Yeah. Like I, I, uh, uh, you do this and move forward. But uh, there's definitely ones like the recent tops cards. Mm-hmm. Those paintings are available. Uh, different things that I've done for uh, various companies, like beyond WWE, but you know, licensing wise uh, those things are available. It's, it's all there together for the first time. Uh, it's kind of like when they launched the WWE network, you know, like they're like, what's on it? Everything. Um, <laughs> that, that yeah. that's what this website is for the people that are into my art as well. And, uh, did a soft launch, uh, back on, uh, late last week. And it's, been tremendous uh (laughs) uh like uh wrestlemania access level sales each day uh it's just
0: mind-blowing that's awesome yeah Yeah. i mean i love the art world especially the way art has uh opened itself up to you know pop culture and media and and all that the way it's kind of uh, uh intertwined in in a way that it's become so mainstream I just love that wrestling is a part of it like I, I love seeing I don't know if you said like that Mondo released the uh-huh. uh the Undertaker poster as part of the Undertaker week and everything just you know I mean I go there for movie posters just the fact that that's there but yeah man I mean you know I've been a fan of your art for a long time I love your stuff the stuff that I, ha- I have your stuff and there's a uh a, a velvet painter named oh, yeah. Bruce White uh-huh I've got like four of his, and they're and they're originals. So it's like, I mean, I have like, I mean, you know, just to be able to say you've got a velvet painting of the Undertaker in your house is, it, I mean, it's uh, to me, it's, it's 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 a badge of honor. That's why I got excited when you just said you could get the originals because. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's. it's uh, I think it's such um, a cool
1: thing. You know, like every now and then you'll see with uh, like Zach Ryder, uh, Matt Cardona. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, when uh, Browsky, uh, you know, he shows the that he bought some of the original design sketches yes. for toys. Um yeah. Having the original is, is like that as well. Yeah. These.
0: I don't know if you can see. Yeah. Yeah. The photos behind me are the their photos. They're not. It's not a painting, but those are the reference photos. Uh. Of Doink the Clown from Hasbro's <laughs> artist, so those those are the photos that uh, Ron <laughs> Rudat over at Hasbro uh, uh, painted. But like, look, all this stuff is history, man. I mean, you know, it, and it all makes you feel a certain way. And like I said, that's what I've always loved about your stuff, man. That you 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 capture the feeling, and it's I think more so than than any other artist I've seen. Like you really are so clearly a fan, right? Like you could yeah. just tell that uh, nobody except a super fan would be able to translate the feeling into a painting the way you do. And the fact that you're awesome at watercolors helps because you know, <laughs> if you were like a super fan and could kind of translate it, but you were real bad at painting, that wouldn't be that good. You know, I wouldn't be, yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be <laughs> I, nearly I, I as think
1: it's because I came in as an artist first. Yeah. And, and there's so much stuff that, Uh, you know, there's a a bias about pro wrestling in the wider world that you and I, the people that are watching, listening to this show, they know it's not genuine, right? Like it's not really like that, but, uh, I, I didn't want to talk down to the audience. I wanted to provide them
0: the same kind of thing that I want myself. When you started doing uh uh, watercolor, I know you do a lot more than watercolors, but that's your kind of one of your specialties and one of the things that you really made a name for yourself with. Is that because you know it's really hard and so the fact that you can have good watercolor art is like extra impressive, or do you just like it more because I feel like if I could paint watercolor even even though I even if I didn't like it as much, I would still paint watercolor because not that many people could do it it seems really difficult it uh
1: <laughs> um I'm pulling back the curtain here, but um It's the fastest and cheapest. (laughs) Um, uh, Like I I recently uh, finished an acrylic painting uh, for an upcoming Chauncey Blackheart piece. Ah. And it took me a week. And acrylic paint is expensive. Right. Um, uh, I don't even do oil because it's ridiculous. And you have to have like proper ventilation, all that stuff. Uh watercolor is really pure. It actually started as a sketching medium Uh for uh oil painters, uh and and then it gradually became its own thing. And uh but but there's a a chaotic nature to it because it's water that you're putting on a surface. Right. And sometimes it pools up, sometimes it just runs in a different way and there's all kinds of science stuff because you're mixing pigment with water and you're having to think about how it's going to dry, all that kind of stuff, uh, which I have a lot of fun with. Like the, the more I think about things that way, it's a, a ton of fun to work with.
0: Well, that's awesome, man. Shamburgerlabs.com, uh is where you go. That's S-C-H-A-M-B-E-R-G-E-R. I get it? it. Yeah, baby. So that's, <laughs> that's where you go to get it. Uh, Rob, you're the man. Uh, I'm glad you're doing this. Uh, and I think it's going to be a huge success because, you know, I think this is uh, as us wrestling fans get older and we need, like, we can't just, I mean, it's, uh, I still do, but it's, it becomes more frowned upon to have like toys and posters and stuff like hanging up in your house. If you can get some real art in your house, that's acceptable. If you're a grown-up, so get some Rob Schamberger art, and you could still have wrestling pictures on your wall. It's perfect. I, thank you. It's and uh,
1: if I can put my marketing hat on real quick, yes. Um, I uh, did a promo code, ah. uh, not Sam, all one word, uh, and uh, your listeners can get ten percent off any of the prints there.
0: Awesome, ten yeah. percent off at Schambergerlabs.com if you put in promo code not Sam. I love it. You're an artist. You're a businessman. Thank you, Rob Schamberger. <laughs> Thanks. Sam. Thanks
1: for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Read, review, and subscribe.
0: This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam. When you rely on the Internet for everything, You need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible XFi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.